He's running up the stairs and he's running up the stairs. The song's blaring behind him and he gets to the top and he raises his arms and you're standing with him because you're motivated for what, what he's done and how he's got there and the fight that he's on with. I can remember when uh, I was in, uh, back in the 80s. It's not that long ago, Les. Probably around about 87. Uh, I was playing hockey and uh, our team at that stage got into the state grand final. And uh, because it was a state final for Tasmania, it was huge. So for, to get ready for it, we went round to our coach's place about four hours before the game and we watched the Rocky film. And then as we left from there, all we played was that song as we built it out to go and play our game. Uh, the Eye of the Tiger is probably one of those uh, great motivational songs that's used everywhere. You can probably think of a number of other motivational songs that are used, but Rocky, uh, The Eye of the Tiger is one I know that's been used lots by us. Uh, it's a motivational song because it gees us up, it pumps us up, it gets us motivated, it gets us focused, it gets us buzzing about the thing that we're about to do, the action that we're about to embark on. Psalm 103 is the Eye of the Tiger song for us Christians. It's a motivational song for us. It's a pump-up song for us. It's to get us focused and abuzz for God and to live for Him. It's a great psalm. We're going to be having it read to us now by Betty and she's going to read it, read it to us with great Scottish gusto because it's a great motivational song. As you uh, read it, as you listen to it, uh, just take that in mind that this is a psalm, a song that David writes to motivate himself and to motivate you. Thanks, Betty. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul.
Thanks, Betty. David's motivational song is Psalm 103. Uh, if he was around today, he'd have it on his iPod. Uh, he'd have it going round and round in a loop so that he could hear it going. Or if he had a car stereo, he'd have it on there and he'd keep playing it and playing it and playing it to motivate him to praise God. Back in the 80s again, I'm just playing on that because Les mentioned it last week. Back in the 80s again, uh, I was, uh, and I still am a Hawthorne supporter, but in the 80s, Hawthorne played Geelong in a grand final. And so what I did was, for that, is I taped the Hawthorne theme song. So it just kept running and running and running. And I drove round Launceston in, uh, with my stereo up full bore, playing the Hawthorne theme song in my little brown Renault 12 with uh, orange tape round it with Robert Dipodomenico's number on the front. I'm not too sure what it did for anyone else, but it motivated me. I was motivated about Hawthorne beating Geelong, and they did, by the way. They won. And so I kept driving, I think, till about 12 o'clock that night round town, letting everyone know that Hawthorne won. Definitely was a sight to see. But in a sense, that was our, my motivational song at the time. I wanted to let everyone know just how great Hawthorne was. This motivational song of Psalm 103 of David is David saying that he wants everyone to know how great his God is. It's a psalm for us that teaches us about how great our God is. It's a great song. If you notice, the first couple of verses are all about praise the Lord. The last four verses are all about praise the Lord. The theme of this psalm is to praise God. The word there for praise could also be used, bless the Lord, O my, o my soul. The idea is we want to sing his praises. We want to shout his praises. We want to speak of him in every way that we can. Listen to the first couple of verses there. I'm going to change praise to bless. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Uh, in a sense, David's actually trying to talk to himself. When he says, bless my soul, he's saying to himself, all my inmost being. Come on, David, get out there, he's saying. Get out there and praise God. Get out there and use every part of me to speak highly of God. That's what it means to praise God. That's what it means to bless God. It means to get out there and speak highly of God. And David is appealing to himself. He's saying, come on, get out there and do it. Because David's like you and I. There would have been times in David's life when he would have felt a bit down about things. He would have been feeling a bit off colour. He would have been feeling a bit like, can I really praise God now? Can I really get out there and do it? And so what he does here in Psalm 103 is gives himself a really big G up. He says, come on, mate, get out there and praise God. Now, the great thing about that is that he just doesn't say, come on, mate, get up there and do it. He doesn't, in a sense, just turn the music up louder to try and get it himself pumped. He doesn't just go to a concert with lots of stuff happening and uh, a conference or a camp. Though these things can be fun for us just to give us a lift, but most of the time those big event things are just all froth and bubble, aren't they? They look great and frothy on the outside, but in the end the froth goes and the bubble glows and we're still flat. David doesn't go for the froth and bubble. He goes for something really solid. He wants to be pumped and he wants to be motivated for God all the time. And what he does is he does two things. Firstly, he reflects on God's actions and secondly, he reflects on God's character. 
He reflects on God's actions and he reflects on God's character because he knows that's what's going to motivate him and pump him for the whole of his life. That's what's going to get into his innermost soul and bring out praises to God for him for his whole life. So look at what he does. First of all there, he goes for what are God's actions in verses 3 to 5. He sings praises to God and then he sings praises to God for his actions. So jump to the next one, Josh, that's it. Have a look at verse 3 to 5. He says, Who forgives all your sins and heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your mouth is renewed like the eagles, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He says, remember all the benefits of God. Remember all his actions. And what has he done? He has forgiven all David's sins. Now, if you were here last week, you would have seen that we spoke about Psalm 51. And Psalm 51 is where we found out about what David was like. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. He was a liar. He was a cheat. He was a deceiver. In one psalm, we found out all this stuff about David. And you think, how could God forgive him? Well, he does. He wipes all his sin away. How does he do that? Well, we know that's because of Jesus. That's how it is wiped away. Our sin is serious to God. Just like David, it separates us from God and it has to be dealt with. It can't just be left there. And Jesus deals with it. Jesus takes our sin on the cross and he pays a penalty for them. He dies and then Jesus rises from the dead to show that he's wiped them all away. And now all our sins can be forgiven. David in Psalm 51 just laid his life bare before God, poured it out before him and God washed him clean. And God can do that for you and I too. All our sins can be forgiven. Just like that song that we, we sang, just tell him that you're sorry and God will forgive you. So true. That is so true. And David praises God for that. And he praises God because he forgives him and he praises God because he heals him. Now here David's talking not just about spiritual, he is talking about his spiritual healing, but he's seen also God heal him physically as well. And so he praises God for the fact that he heals him in all sorts of ways. God forgives, God heals, and God redeems him. He pulls him from the pit. He pulls him out of the pit of life of futility, of hopelessness, of unforgiveness, of purposelessness. He pulls him out of that and stands him up straight. And God reaches out to him when nothing else could save him, when nothing else can pull you and I out of it. God reaches out to us in the arm of Jesus and pulls us out. What an amazing God we have. In those deepest, deepest, darkest moments when we feel like we have nothing, you don't have nothing. You have God. You have God in Jesus. And not only do we have that, but what he says there, and he crowns us with love and compassion. In a sense, he puts that on us. 
A crown is like a designation of who you are, a position, and in a sense we are designated as people who are to be loving and compassionate. That is to be us, people who love and compassionate. And people who have our desires are satisfied in verse 5 and gives us good things. You see, God gives us his spirit. When we trust and believe in Jesus, then we are satisfied. Then we can have all those good things. Things that last for eternity and not just here and now. You see, what God's spirit does is focuses on the things that God desires for us. And he shows us those things. He takes us our eyes off the things that fade away and onto the things that last for eternity. He takes us our eyes off the things such as our buildings and our business and our career and building a perfect body because in the end they won't satisfy. Mick Jagger had it right, didn't he? I can't get no satisfaction. The Stones, you would have said on a world stage sort of thing, had everything. Money, fame, fortune, sex, alcohol, drugs. They had the whole lot and they look like it now, don't they? It doesn't satisfy, does it? It doesn't last. Because the only things that will satisfy us are the things that will last for eternity. Our relationship with God and our relationships with each other. That's it. That's why here at Evans Head Prezi we hold dear to that fact that we are to be loving, compassionate people who focus on loving God and loving each other. That's what satisfies. That's what we need to do. God forgives. God heals. God redeems. God crowns us with love. God satisfies us and he restores our motivation and our enthusiasm. Look at that in the end of verse 5. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You can sit here in the morning, can't you, sometimes on Sunday and you see the little guys race up to the front and then race out to the back and then they're running out there, then they're running outside and then they're running everywhere and you think, where on earth do they get their energy from? And in a sense that's what it's saying here, that God renews our energy. He gives us the motivation. He gives us the enthusiasm. He gives us the sense of being able to keep on going for him. So we have the energy to be able to live for him. God enables us to keep going. See what David's doing? He says, Lord, I want to bless you, bless your name. My inmost being, I want to bless you. And what does he do? He remembers God's actions. He sets his sights on what God has done. He forgives, heals, redeems, restores, crowns. An amazing God. And we can do the same, can't we? We can do the same. But we see even more than what David saw because we see Jesus. He has forgiven us in Jesus. He heals us in Jesus. He redeems us in Jesus. He crowns us with love in Jesus. He satisfies us through the Holy Spirit. He renews our strength through the Holy Spirit. Now that's got to motivate us to get out there and bless God, doesn't it? What a wonderful God we have to praise him. When you're down, when you're feeling, can I get out of bed this morning? When you're feeling like, oh, can I keep living this Christian life? It's, it's tough. 
Can I go to work today and try and live in a loving, compassionate way? Can I go out down the street today and have a focus on relationships and not just being busy? Can I get out into this community and my family who just don't seem to want to know anything about God? Here's one way to motivate yourself, isn't it? Remember the benefits of God. Remember the actions of God. But don't just remember the actions of God because David says he not only remembers the actions of God but he remembers God's character. So if you look from verse 6 onwards, he looks at God's character. Uh, when you go home, because I'm not going to have time to go through it all today, but when you go home, read through this last part of the, the psalm and just note down all the words that David uses to speak about God's character and what he's like. And you'll notice that he speaks about God's character and then he speaks about the actions of God because of his character. Because God's character determines how he acts and relates with us. That's an amazing part of the the psalm. It's just beautiful. Look, he goes through, he talks about his righteousness, his just, his loving. He desires to lift us up and to take us out, those that are oppressed and downtrodden. He wants to lift up and restore And he reveals it to us in verse 7. He's made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. You see, God hasn't left us in the dark. He reveals himself to us. And he's revealed himself to us through the word. When we look into God's word, we find out what God is like. You know, God hasn't left us up to try and make up a God ourselves, to try and work out what God is like. He's told us what he's like. We just need to read his word. That's where it is. If you look at the New Age movement, if you look at our postmodern society, what characterises it most is that they like to make God into the conglomerate image that they want. I talk to some of my family and they talk about God and, and they pull pieces from here and pieces from there and bits from over there and bits from over there and somehow they've got a God that is in their own image. Someone that just fits how they think life should be. But God hasn't left us to do that, thankfully, because we muck it up. Thankfully, he's revealed himself to us through his word. And then he talks all about his character from here on in. Listen to what he says from verse 8 onwards. I'm going to read it to you. I want you to close your eyes because this is a stunning part of the Bible. And let the truth sink in as I read it to you. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, So far has he removed our transgressions from us. What an amazing God. Stunning, isn't it? It's amazing love. It's stunning grace. It's phenomenal compassion. It's a love beyond measure. He doesn't deal with us the way that we deserve to be dealt with. We deserve to be kicked out of his presence forever, but he says, no, I want you in my presence forever a story I was just uh, you can open your eyes now otherwise you might fall asleep 
I was uh, talking to um, Matt Gorton, who is a guy that does quiz work that came and did the puppetry stuff that uh, did that song. That's one of his songs that we did with the kids earlier. And he told me a story, and I can't get the exact uh, bits of it exactly correct, but let me tell you this story that he told me of a friend of his who was a missionary, and I think it was in Cambodia, and uh, this uh, lady was a missionary there, and she began to befriend another lady who was a Christian in Cambodia, and this lady told her her story. And uh, she told her the story that when she was younger, uh, when all the problems with the Khmer Rouge was happening within Cambodia, it was a horrible situation. And what happened around the place, people were going around killing and destroying and looting, and there were like child armies that used to travel around the place. Kids who are 10 years and younger used to go around in these groups of armies. They'd be given rifles, machine guns, and they'd be sent off to go and kill whoever they could. Well, this lady, when uh, that was happening, was in her own little village, and her village was being uh, attacked and being destroyed, and she came running out of the village, and she had her one and only son at that point in time in her arms. He was only young, uh, two or three. She came running out of it, and she came running out of the village. She came across one of these child soldier armies, nine, ten-year-olds carrying guns, all that sort of stuff, and she stopped because she couldn't keep going, and she saw in their eyes that there was uh, anger and all sorts of things going on. And she pleaded and begged with them to let her go, that her and her son could escape and go off and somehow live. Well, the leader of that uh, child army said no. And he came at gunpoint. He ripped the child out of the mother's arms and beheaded her in front of her and left her and walked off. It was about five or six years later that that mother and things had calmed down in Cambodia and uh, she'd come out of a shopping centre and when she came out of that shopping centre she saw that there were some people begging on the street and there was about a 15, 16 year old boy begging and she recognised that that was the one that had killed her son. And she walked across to that boy and she came over to him and she reached out her arm and she took him and said... Do you remember me? He said, No. She said, Well, I remember you. You're the one who killed my son. Now I'm going to take you home and I'm going to look after you and love you like my only son. That's a stunning story, isn't it? She didn't treat him like he deserved to be treated. She took him home and loved him and cared for him like her only son. That's the picture of God here with you and I. He doesn't deal with us the way that we deserve. He reaches out to us even though we've kicked sand in his face, even though we've said we don't want anything to do with you, even though we have killed his son on the cross and he reaches out to us and says, I want to take you home and treat you like my son. That's amazing love, isn't it? That's the character of God that we have. God loves us and treats us like we don't deserve to be treated. He loves us. He takes us in his arms and he restores us and he forgives us and he heals us and he redeems us and he lifts us up and he gives us energy to live for him and praise him. Now that's a pump-up story, isn't it? That is a great song that David is singing. 
his character of righteousness, of justice, of graciousness, of mercy, of compassion, of love is mind-blowing. It's no wonder that David can go here, bless the Lord, all my soul. Bless his holy name. He reflects on his action. He reflects on his character. He sings praises of God's action. He sings praises of God's character. And then finally he says, let all creation sing God's praises. Look at verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere, his dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. He's just encompassed everything and anyone he could possibly think of, hasn't he? He's just pulled them all in and said, Praise God, every part of this creation. Praise him. And in a sense he's saying he wants to bring the whole universe to be a choir of praise to God. I don't know whether you've seen that Battle of the Choirs on Channel 7 last week. First one was up. It's pretty impressive. There's some great, very good choirs out there. Uh, but in one sense, they pale into insignificance, don't they, compared to the creation choir that is around us every day. Let me encourage you to go one crystal clear night, to go up onto the headland or go out your back door as the moon, the full moon is rising across Evan's head and just listen. Listen to the creation that praises God. Go out one morning early, stand on the beach and just look out across the beach. Watch the beautiful blue, the seagulls, the hawks, the dolphins. And listen to the praises of creation. And as you listen to the praises of creation, then add your own voice to it. Don't mean go howling at the moon like a dog or a werewolf, though my singing probably might sound a bit like that. What I mean is just praise him. Just get there and go, God, you are just a phenomenal thing. You are just wonderful. Your actions speak so much to me. Your character of love and compassion just blows me away. Add your voice to creation's voice and praise God. And as you do that and as you feel that and as you experience that, then pray that God will take you and take you into this world and amongst his people and amongst this world that so desperately needs to hear of this phenomenal God and pray that God will make your whole life a song to him, a choir to him. So that as you walk down the street, as you work in your business, as you're relating with people, as you're amongst your family, that there'll be an unmistakable sense that God is at work within you. David is absolutely pumped by the end of this psalm, isn't he? He is motivated to go out and bless God with every part of his being. I want to encourage you. Don't leave it here this morning. Be pumped for God. 
Go home, sit down, look at Psalm 103, reflect on God's actions, reflect on God's character. And then with all your soul, with your inmost being, with every part of you, go into this world and bless our awesome God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we just allow that to sink in and to think through Psalm 103, Lord, we are just blown away. Lord, you are stunning. You are breathtaking. You are our God. Lord, we ask this morning that every inch of us our inmost soul. All of us, Lord, will want to praise and bless your name. Lord, enable us to live lives that speak highly of you. Give us words, Lord, that speak about how great you are. We want to praise your name. In Jesus' name. Amen.